0: The Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Props, parlays, in game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up using the promo code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. With MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. <laughs> are listening to a special edition of the upl show here on a sports gambling podcast network follow the sports gambling podcast network on twitter at the sgp network in this episode we will be covering the nation's league a massive international tournament that we have covered throughout this season and at the end of the show we will be touching on the women's world cup briefly This Nations League has now whittled down to four teams that can win it. We've seen the likes of France, the world champions, the Germans, the Italians, all four by the wayside. In fact, all teams from Europe have gone. We are down to the final four and they are Portugal, the hosts of this tournament. Switzerland, England and the Netherlands. The favourites to win the competition are narrowly the hosts, Portugal at two to one. England available at 5-2, the Netherlands available at 3-1 and Switzerland available as big as 7-1. The first game sees Switzerland face Portugal, where Portugal are 4-6 to to win this in normal time and 2-7 to to qualify outright, which is very short. Um, Switzerland are 5-2 to qualify outright in this one. Um, a lot of people will be fixated on the England-Netherlands clash because obviously it's a bit more glamorous. But these two teams, one of these two teams, will obviously make their way to the final. Um, a lot of people are casting Switzerland aside. As you can see, the prices significantly favor Portugal. We're a minus 150 favorites to win this one in 90 minutes. I don't entirely see it that way. This is a Switzerland team that, thrashed Belgium in order to get here through to this Nations League semi-final. Portugal's route was far more easy. And this is a Switzerland team that also drew against Brazil in the World Cup. Switzerland's World Cup ended very disappointingly when they decided to have a very negative football match with Sweden. And in the end, Sweden ended up nicking a goal. Switzerland had far better players and they on paper should have been the team that went through and played England in the quarterfinals, not Sweden. And uh, whether they've learned from that or not is really irrelevant because I don't think in this instance, that Switzerland really do have the better players. I think in that game, it was a mistake for both, well, for Switzerland to be so overcautious. I expected it from Sweden, which is why I believe last year I did say that that game would go on to two and a half goals. I expected Sweden uh, to implement a tactic where they tried to stifle Switzerland, but Switzerland did pretty much the same, and it resulted in the most. Boring game in the entire World Cup, and uh, Sweden ended up nicking it. And in this instance, it could possibly be the right tactic because maybe Portugal are the better team on paper. But I'm also expecting Portugal to to come in with the same tactic as well. They they won the Euros in 2016, one of the worst tournaments I ever had personally in terms of in terms of betting, and it was a poor watch as well. Um, they're also Overly cautious, which is frustrating. They pretty much rely on putting a lot of men behind the ball and relying on creating a chance for one of their well cast players. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo is the, is their well cast player, he's their man out there, but obviously they have Andre Silva as well, who's had a pretty decent season. There are decent players in this Portugal team, there's, there's no doubt about it at all, but they have this knack to constantly be negative and they don't really have many games that you can point to and say that they were classic games or even decent games to watch. The game that they had in the World Cup with Spain last year was an absolute anomaly because we saw loads of goals, we saw loads of attacking football, we saw a wonderful performance from Cristiano Ronaldo. Otherwise, aside from that, we're pretty much looking at a Portugal team that like to sit back and nick goals. And that's really not how they should be playing. And it's kind of reminiscent of that Sweden-Switzerland game. Whereas in this instance, Switzerland are occupying the role of Sweden. And Portugal are occupying the role of Switzerland, whereas they do have the better players. But based on their history, I can't see them really coming forward and and taking this game by the scruff of the neck. Portugal have the home advantage here, as we've already pointed out, and they are the minus 150 favourites to get it done in 90 minutes. And they are the two to one favourites to win this tournament. But when you look at their last three competitive games at home, which um, they've drawn all all of them against Poland, Ukraine, and Serbia. Um, it doesn't look particularly daunting for Switzerland, who are actually better than all of those three sides. Because so, as I said, um, I don't personally think that I can touch Portugal in this game. Although I do expect them to go through. Um, I'm also not touching the the two to seven for them to qualify. But again, as I said, I do expect them to go through. I do expect Portugal to be waiting there somehow um, as the team that, that, are, that are waiting there to play England or the Netherlands. It just doesn't appeal to me to back them at either way. Two to seven is too short. And um, four to six, I, I don't want to be a part of because I'm not sure if they can finish this game in 90 minutes if they can't get wins against Poland, Ukraine, and Serbia. Although, of course... Um, they aren't competitive games, and this is a massive game it 's going to determine who are the first winners of the nation's league. Well it will give our people an opportunity to go through to the final to determine who will be the winner of the nation's league for me. I just think that um, these two teams are going to cancel each other out. I think Switzerland will be brought down to Portugal's level of dullness and uh, considering Portugal's recent results, it seems generous to me that under two and a half goals is available at an underdog price of even money. It's uh, eight to 11 that it's going to go over two and a half goals in most places and um it's 10 it's uh even money sorry that it will be under two and a half goals and, and i really like the under two and a half goals there's actually nothing to separate these two teams in the world ranking switzerland is seventh sorry um Portugal are seventh and Switzerland are eighth in the ranking, so it's really hard to make a case again for for, for me to to back Portugal here. Um, it could go down to the wire this one. Um, there's a penalty shootout price of six to one. That's not backing a team. That's backing the game to go to penalties outright. I really like that as well. But for me, I think we're going to see a pretty negative game, pretty much reminiscent, actually, of periods of that Liverpool-Tottenham game. Let's let's look at that game and let's look at the first half of Chelsea-Arsenal as well. The players that are playing in these games, their seasons are over and they've pretty much been sent on holiday and now they've been recalled back to play a football match. There's a very pre-season feel about that Champions League game. Even though it's massively important, which it was, it produced under two and a half goals and both teams to score didn't occur with two teams that were very, very attack-minded throughout the season. Yet they couldn't string a pass together, and we may see some more of that in these Nations League games. Hopefully not. I'm ex- I'm hoping that Netherlands versus England in a massively entertaining spectacle because that again is two very young and attacking teams. A lot of players from Ajax, a lot of the new school players from England, the like of Sancho, the likes of Sancho and Sterling and Rashford. But um, for this particular game. You don't have that. These two teams are not attacking anyway. Aside from uh, Portugal's 3 all against Spain and Switzerland destroying Belgium, a result I'll never understand how Switzerland beat Belgium 5-2. They're not attacking teams. So for me, even money under two and a half goals is a great price here for two teams that don't really like to attack too much. We'll move straight on to the other game between the Netherlands and England. Where surprisingly they have England as very strong favorites now it 's not surprising to me that England are the favorites to win the game, but I would not have England here as the five to four favorites and Holland as the two to one underdogs. Um, the draw is eleven to five the qualification price is slightly tighter, the Netherlands available at evens, and England available at eight to eleven now. I'm going to disappoint a lot of English listeners here and I am going to pick Holland or the Netherlands to qualify from this game. The reason being is that a lot of this Dutch squad are made up of players that didn't have to play in the Champions League final. Eight of the England squad were involved in the Champions League final. That's a lot of players and some of them our first team players as well. I think Trent Alexander Arnold would be the would be the fullback. I think obviously Harry Kane would you'd want to start in this one. I think Deli Ali would probably be a contender to start. I think even Eric Dyer or at least Dyer or Henderson would be contenders to start. So you're missing a load of players here. Or if you are getting them into the team, they're going to be training off the back of a Champions League final for Holland. It's really just Virgil van Dijk and Georgie Wijnaldum. So aside from that you have a ton of Ajax players that absolutely dominated Tottenham for three quarters of the game and then lost their bottle here they have the more experienced players to carry them through in addition to that some of their better players like Memphis Depay have been rested for ages now rest isn't always a good thing as we saw in the Champions League final it was a very very poor game and um, I'm hoping this one isn't a poor game and um, I think Gareth Southgate will have it drilled into his men um, and they'll be training for longer and I And I don't think they'll be going out to Marbella like, um, like like the two teams in Champions League did but um, but yeah I I just I'm I'm skeptical here uh, as to go for loads of goals in this game just based on what I saw in the Champions League game I'm definitely not going to take an underplay like I did in the last game and no matter what I think this one will be more entertaining just on the pure interest as to who qualifies but I just think with Holland not having those players playing in, in the Champions League final and having Ajax players that dominated England and then putting someone like Van Dyke back into your team. I just really fancy them here to not only win this, but to probably win this tournament as well. I love Holland at, at five, um, is it five to two or three? Sorry, England were five to two. Holland are as big as three to one to win this tournament. I absolutely love that price on, on Holland here. I, I'm not understanding how they are being ranked as the third favourites, when they had a team that got through of a group that had France and Germany in it. Let's remember that. Let's go back and look at that for one second. They qualified in a group that had the world champions in it and Germany. And I understand that Germany can be looked at as a team on a decline. But for me, the way that Holland came back from the dead, they absolutely ripped Germany to, to pieces. I was there at the Amsterdam Arena and this team looked really dangerous. They attacked with so much pace. Memphis Depay is a player that's typecast as someone that didn't make it in the Premier League he's got something to prove as well and um, there's a lot here that can be said for Holland and a lot more that can be said for Holland than England other than the fact that yes England were in the last World Cup Holland won but a lot can change in a year as I said Holland have gone on to qualify in a group between Germany and France Um, they've had a unbelievable Champions League well Ajax players have they've got a lot of these players in the team someone like De Ligt will be playing and he'll be partnered by by Van Dijk who's had an unbelievable season himself so this one is very very hard to call Um, I'm not taking the 90 minute price I just fancy Holland or the Netherlands you guys say uh, to qualify from this one and that's available at even money. As I said, it's a bet against my country. Obviously, it's not going to be too popular, but um, I just have to go with um, with the dark horses here. I just feel that they have, that there's more going for for the Netherlands in this one than there is against England. And obviously, people look at England's journey here and they'll be like, and they'll be saying, oh, we won in Spain and and we won against Croatia and we got through from 1-0 down. Yeah, I, I know all of that, but at the end of the day, um, you look at the centre-back pairing of Van Dijk and De Litt and it just personifies what Holland are they are a perfect blend of youth, experience and quality um, England's front three is obviously exciting as well with Sancho, Sterling and potentially Kane maybe even Rashford but I just think there's a lot of players here that have failed throughout the season Um there's a lot of players here that just about come up short. I wouldn't say fail. I think that's, that's that's definitely the wrong term. I don't think it's a failure to get through to a Champions League final. I don't think it's a failure to come second in the league. Obviously, some of the Liverpool players have gone on and won the Champions League. But the likes of Lingard and Rashford and um, a few Leicester City players in this team, they're hot one week, they're cold the next. Um and, you know, England got through to the World Cup semi-finals, but had a very, very easy path to get there and then squandered a one-goal league against Croatia when they just didn't play the second 45 minutes. It's, it's just difficult for me to see that that this game, um, that, that all of a sudden England are just going to turn up and, and win this Nations League. All of a sudden they're going to be a team that that put behind them years and years and years of, of failures and, and albeit close failures. England often in the past have looked good in patches and obviously under Southgate, they've looked good for, for longer periods and they have a really good young team. I just think it's a little bit too early for them. I think the World Cup, at what happened with Croatia kind of signifies where we're at. And I just, for some reason, have more faith in, in this Holland team and these Holland players than I do in England, especially with England's defence. Uh, I feel that that is certainly a weakness. I don't have too much confidence in the pairing of Stones and Maguire, which kind of then opens me back up to, to both teams to score. Um, Whereas I said I wasn't going to take an, an overplay it's very difficult for me to see A, England keeping a clean sheet and then B, England not scoring despite the fact we're looking at the lip and Van Dyke as, as, as the centre-back pairing here. England have so many decent attacking options that it's difficult for me to see them not at least being competitive in this game. Um, in their last 13 matches, England have kept just three clean sheets and uh considering Holland has scored thirteen goals in the last five matches uh with four of said matches being against um France and Germany, it's easy to see why both teams of sport is a good prospect, and I think England will be the ones that are weighing the side of that down, and that that's odd because England are the clear favorites to win this game, according to the bookies, as I said, I'm not in agreement with it um but um, but what I what like here is my two players. is both teams to score and uh, finding that here at four to five and um, Holland to qualify at evens. So that's pretty much me done with the Nations League. I'm going to now take a quick look at the Women's World Cup. I've been asked to have a look at it and uh, that's exactly what I've done over the last couple of days. If we look at the odds... For the winners, we will see that the the host nation France are the joint favourites at seven to two. They're joined by the USA at seven to two, Germany at eleven to two, England at seven to one, Japan fourteen to one, the Netherlands fourteen to one, Australia eighteen to one, Brazil twenty to one, Spain twenty to one, Canada twenty five to one, and then twenty five to one plus for bar the rest of them it's uh it's interesting to me that the the usa and france have marked up here as the uh as the as the joint favorites to win i um i I don't see that i I think usa are a team that i would fade in this, this world cup and um it's interesting because obviously this is a um this is a podcast that goes out mostly to american listeners but I think USA is overvalued in in 2019. Should, should they be favourites and neck and neck on neck with France? Um they've managed just one win on their home turf in the in the She's believe she believes Cup. And I think there are far better values in, in the field. Like France, for example, themselves. Uh, they should be the, the clear favourites. I mean, I'm not saying that USA shouldn't be up there, but France lost in the penalty shootout to Germany in 2015. Uh, Be eager to lift the trophy in front of their own fans. They have loads of talent in in this squad. Um, They've won five of their last six matches, scoring three or more goals in each of the games. And they have a massive advantage there at home. Plus, French football's booming now. This is the team that won the World Cup last year, and that wasn't done in home soil. Um, Speaking of England... um, they're going to have no trouble getting through their group, despite the fact that they they lost the other day and it was a poor result against New Zealand. Um, they're playing the fourth consecutive Women's World Cup. They entered the tournament full of confidence, obviously because they were the winners of the She Believes Cup, which I spoke about earlier, where the USA didn't do anything, um, and they finished third in uh, in 2015. Uh, other teams to look at is Brazil, a uh, young squad, loads of talent. Um, they'll lean heavily on Marta, who scored um, the most goals in World Cup history. She scored 15 goals um, to top the charts in the Copa America female version in 2018. And, um, and Brazil won that competition and finished runners-up at the, uh, the 2007 uh, Women's World Cup. So, I think they're the ones that I would look at here. I personally, you can't see past France. Um, When we look at the, um, a quick look at the group prices here, I'll try and bring those up and I'll let you know who's in whose groups. Where is it? Um, In group A, we got France, Norway and South Korea. Uh, and Nigeria. France is two to seven to win that group. Norway is seven to two. Nine to one for South Korea and sixty six to one on Nigeria. That's gonna be a safe, solid start for France. I wouldn't be surprised if they progress out of that with three wins, which is gonna give them confidence for the rest of the tournament. Germany are the ones who lead Group B they are one to five favorites to win that Spain at five to one China at 12 to one and South Africa at 66 to one again Germany could progress out of that with with three wins I don't think there's any problems with picking the winners from group A and B. Group C gets a little tougher because it's a toss-up between Australia and Brazil. Australia, the narrow favourites are even, but Brazil's second favourites are five to four, Italy at thirteen to two, and Jamaica at a hundred to one. I would lean Brazil there, but um again, it's not that one, for instance, is not something that I'm gonna bet or probably stay away from that. As I said, my my knowledge of women's soccer isn't tremendous which i'll admit to you but um i do fancy brazil to be the ones that that get through in that group i've just had a look at what they've done previously and i just feel that they may be better than australia and, and maybe the wrong team is favorite in that group Moving on to England's group, as I said, they won the She's Believe She Believes Cup, um, and they're eight to fifteen to win their group. Japan in the second break was at thirteen to eight, sixteen to one on Scotland and sixty-six to one on Argentina. You have to kind of disregard that result against New Zealand, which was massively disappointing, and think that England do go on to, to win this group, group D, and uh, put themselves in with a with a good shout in the next round. In Group E, um, the Netherlands and Canada are pretty much split evenly. Again, it's it's uh, even money on the Netherlands six to five on Canada, eight to one on New Zealand, and forty to one on Cameroon. Could New Zealand have an outside chance there, um, based on the fact that they they beat England? It will be very interesting to see how they fare. we be very interested to see how a lot of teams fare because this tournament is wide open. The, the market. For the winner, the winners' market kind of proves that in itself. And finally, Group F. That's where the USA are. They are the one to five favourites. Seven to two Sweden. Twenty five to one Chile, and one hundred and fifty one, one hundred and fifty to one on Thailand. Again, another easy group there for the USA. I don't think the USA France And Germany are going to have any problems. I think England were the only ones that I picked out that would have any issues getting past Japan, but I think they'll manage to do so. If you actually take um, £100 on those group winners, it pays just under 2-1. to It returns £285. And I think it's well worth doing because three of those are not going to have any problem whatsoever. And if you do want to hedge out, then specifically look at that game between England and Japan as a game to to hedge out in, I believe, looking down at the fixtures, that it doesn't happen um, straight away. Uh, Japan start against Argentina, England start against Scotland, so you have an opportunity to hedge out later on in the competition after England have got wins against Scotland and and I expect Japan to win against Argentina then you have the opportunity to hedge out looking at some of these women's prices it's difficult to bet on the women's matches and really find any value opens with France against South Korea where France are 1-7 to favourites then you have Norway against Nigeria where they're the three to ten favorites. Spain women against Africa, Africa women Spain at one to eight. Germany against China, Germany start at three to ten. Australians Italy's is a closer game where it's eight to thirteen on the Australians. Brazil against Jamaica, Brazil are one to twelve. England against Scotland England are one to four. Uh, the Japanese women against the Argentinians are one to nine. Canada against Cameroon is one to six. And Netherlands against New Zealand is one to three. Sweden against Chile is one to eight. And USA against Thailand is one to fifty. <clears throat> so you're not getting much to bet on there in the specific matches. So um, you're really kind of looking at the anti-post markets to keep your interest. And when you look at the match prices, you're actually getting a tiny bit of value in, in, in the group markets. It should be worked out roughly in terms of um factoring in a three team parlay sort of for for the winners but and, and all of this will be factored in when when the group winners are decided but i honestly feel that you will end up getting some value just backing the group winners and um maybe if you really want a um a real stake in this competition then maybe go bigger with your stake on the group winners and just completely avoid the match betting. Obviously, if you're desperate for a specific action day by day, then I would recommend handicap betting here. I would think the likes of France, Spain, uh, Brazil, England, Japan, Canada, Canada, and USA are all going to cover handicaps in their opening games. USA probably a significant handicap in their opening games. That'll probably be, you know, four or five nil. So that may keep it more interesting for you. But I think for now, the group bet's what I'm recommended. I'll see if I'll make that official play over at my website, lockbetting.com. Over at lockbetting.com, we will be covering this Women's World Cup. We will be covering the Nations League. We'll be giving our official picks and we will be covering the Copper America. So the format for the Copper America has now been determined. I will be doing a group stage preview here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. After that, I will be doing a knockout stage preview, and after that, I'll be doing the final. All of the rest of the plays, so week by week, I'll be doing a podcast exclusively on Lockbetting.com. So the games will be picked on Lockbetting.com, and the week by week fixtures will be broken down exclusively on Lockbetting.com. The same goes for the Women's World Cup, and the same goes for the Nations League. There'll be no more shows here on the Nations League, and there'll be no more shows on the Women's World Cup. I'll be doing that all exclusively on my website. Lockbetting.com. So make sure you head over there and upgrade. We've just had the biggest month that we've ever had, clearing over £4,700 profit, which comes out at over $6,000. So it's a great time to sign up this month. We're narrowly edging ahead in, in profit, but we are looking at the locks to land from the French Open for Nadal. And Djokovic to win their quarters. We also took Golden State Warriors in play after they lost game one. We got that at odds of three to four. So we're desperately hoping that one cashes as a big two-unit play for us. So we certainly are on course to have another profitable month. And hopefully the Nations League is going to aid us in doing that. There is no lock on this podcast. I'm not giving out any locks over here. I'm going to be saving the saving all the bets for my website now for the summer. Obviously, there are a few members that have decided that um, they don't want to stay with the website because there's no soccer picks. But there is going to be NBA, which, as I said, we've got an in-play on Golden State Warriors, which is going very well. There's lots of MLB. We've got a winning record in that as well. Uh, WWE, UFC, boxing, um, tennis, uh, we're six, uh, sorry, seven and one now uh, on our one unit plus plays with the over-unders at the French Open and of course, the Cricket World Cup is going on and of course, the Rugby World Cup is coming up as well. So, there's still tons and tons and tons going on and there's actually tons and tons of soccer going on as well. Um, so it's well worth still being invested in the soccer pack. and soccer pack, and as I mentioned on the last podcast, with the soccer pack as well, I've changed it to the tournament pack. So you will be getting tennis plays there, Grand Slam tennis plays on that as well, as long as long along with the cricket World Cup plays. But if you want all the picks, that's cricket, tennis, soccer, UFC, WWE, boxing, MLB, NBA, you have to be on the top package, and with that, you get added to the WhatsApp group for in-play bets, and you get PNL. Each month, and you get full access to me via a WhatsApp group. So that's the one that I would recommend, the top package. But go and check it out at lockbetting.com. The PL for last month has been added. You can go through that and have a look at it. It's completely legit. If it wasn't, the members would scrutinise it. In fact, in fact, I had a member called Ivan who said that I missed out a couple of plays. Um, when he was right, I missed out. A hit. I had a, we had a long-standing bet going on, and um, it was so. Long Long-standing that I ended up forgetting to add it, and there was a hedge on one of the bets that we had. I took a small hedge to make sure that we made a profit, and uh, I forgot to include the hedge in the in the P and I've it out, and we've edited edited it, and we were putting the P and L back out and taking those reductions off, which still took us to a significant profit. We still made uh, 4,700 pounds for that month. So I'm I'm giving you the edited total, but still it proves that um, these things are pointed out by the members and um, it was edited. It's the first time that's actually happened. But as I said, it's completely legit. If it wasn't, all of these guys would speak up. The, I use a Patreon site on lockbetting.com. It's a community. People can leave comments there. If I posted a PNL and it wasn't accurate, don't you think all of these guys that were losing all of this money would speak up? Of course they would. They'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? I never saw that bet. I never saw that bet. I didn't make any money with this with this package, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a 100% legit. Go and get involved. Go and have a look at the PNL. I'm re-adding it right to the top of the page as we speak. That's it for me. That's the end of your Nations League and Women's World Cup preview. There will be a fight show coming at the end of this week that will be covering the Triple G fight. And it will be covering this weekend's UFC card. And it will be analysing the massive upset, the second biggest upset in the history of boxing as Reese Jr. knocked out and, well, stopped Anthony Joshua as a 25 to 1 underdog. I've been saying it for a long time. Anthony Joshua is an absolute fraud. I've been saying it constantly. I've been saying that Dante Wilder would stop him and the big, big dopey. Joshua with the glass chin and the robotic movements has been caught out and I said that it would happen. I didn't particularly expect it to happen in a Ruiz Jr. fight and I'll admit that I did I did think that this was a big PR stunt and that he'd picked a very, very easy fight, but it didn't turn out to be that way. In heavyweight boxing, you just can't do that. You can't come in ill-prepared. Uh, you can't spend most of your week talking about Dante Wilder and not concentrate on a firehead, and he got caught out. He got caught out with his with his big, lousy chin, and he got caught out walking forward like a robot. Uh, he didn't know what to do in there. He's got no cardio. Uh, I've not rated a guy. I've been saying for a long time, he's just all tomato cans of Anthony Joshua, and this loss was coming. If, if he kept Taking easy fights or, or what he considered easy fights, then it was always a risk when you're not a particularly good boxer. And uh, we may, and obviously the, the, the wilder Joshua fight was always in danger the more fights that Joshua took. Uh, yes, they looked easy on paper, but they were never going to be as easy as the easy fights he took at the beginning to pad out his record. And he's been found out um, whether it have been against um, Jared Miller, whether it had been against D- Dylan White, whether it had been against Ruiz. This loss was this loss was a hundred percent coming, and and I've been calling that on the podcast for two years. I know my boxing. Uh, I know the podcast at the weekend wasn't particularly good. Um, the lock didn't land, which was of course Joshua to actually uh, win that fight in under six rounds because I did believe it was a tomato can. Uh, but obviously we lost that lock, and uh, we move on from that, and we move on from uh, a pretty poor weekend and obviously being completely transparent and we move on to um and we bounce back by hitting a lot of over-under plays with the with the tennis French Open and then we're waiting for Golden State to cash and we move on to the Nations League and hopefully anything out of this podcast will be successful we move on to the Women's World Cup and we move on to the fight show at the weekend and after that we move on to the Copa America which will be a very exciting tournament taking place in Brazil and I'm, in, and I'm going to look forward to putting out my picks for that and I'm very confident about doing well on that again as we did last time Jeff Cohen was helping out to do the Copa America if I can I'll try and bring Jeff Cohen back for that because that was a very very successful tournament last time out apart from the final where Argentina managed to to find a way to lose against Chile uh, we had a very very successful Copa America just falling short of tipping the winners Argentina in the end but throughout the tournament uh, myself and Jeff were constantly winning people money we're hoping to do that again as I said it's hosted in Brazil and Brazil are the significant favourites to that. You'd often find that with host nations is consistent. Um in this in this podcast that we've just done, you can see that Portugal are the favourites, and uh, you saw that France were the favourites for their tournament, and of course, Brazil are the favourites for theirs, unless um it's an underdog nation hosting it. If it's a, a relatively decent nation of equal quality to the other teams in it then you'll see the favouritism go to the host nation and rightfully so. That's it from me on this edition of the EPL Show. Good luck of all of you bets as always and thanks for listening.